Good day, and thanks for, for Crux Investors having us on for this interview. Uh, I'm Ron Clayton. I'm the president, or, yeah, president and CEO of 1911 Gold. I have with me today Dr. Scott Anderson, who is our VP of Exploration. Uh, and we'd like to focus a little bit on the exploration opportunities of our uh, land package. 1911 Gold is about three and a half years old, four years old. It was born out of the merger between Klondex and Heckle Mining Company. These assets were spun out to the um, Klondex shareholders and became Havila Mining Company, which is now a 1911 Gold. Uh, the thing that's a bit unique about us from an exploration standpoint is we have a very large land package, over 50,000 hectares in a very underexplored portion of the Red Lake Greenstone Belt. It's the western extension of the Red Lake Greenstone Belt. Uh, underexplored for a lot of reasons, primarily a very disjointed uh, land uh, tenor or ownership over a long period of time. Um, but but the idea here is, is we've got just fantastic greenstone targets that I'll let Scott describe to you. We have a fully operational mill and tailings facility and camp that's all permitted and ready to go. So a discovery is going to result in a very quick reentry into and, and inexpensive reentry into into production. So it's a really unique opportunity for an exploration company. Um, so that's kind of the story of 1911. Great, Ron. Uh, Scott, really nice to meet you. Thank you very much for uh, making the time to, to join me on this. I'm really looking forward to this discussion because there's, there's so much that I want to know about the geology um, within your land package. Um, now, Ron, or perhaps Scott as well, but kind of the first question is you, you, you've raised a fair bit of money over the last couple of years and you had a, a really active exploration season last year. Um, before we get into what you're going to be looking at for next year, can you kind of um, summarize what the work was last year and what you, where you got to in that in the, uh, in the kind of the, the exploration program for 2021? Well, the way we do things uh, here and what we've done in, in the past few years is is really focus on putting in a solid um, summer field season, which typically runs from late April until beginning of October. Uh, so this is, you know, classic boots on the ground, uh, geological uh, work, geological mapping, prospecting, official geochemistry um, that really um, in some of these areas of this belt have not been explored systematically um, previously. Uh, so it's really go going in there and doing this first step pass type work, uh, looking at the geology. We overlay this information with high resolution Aramag data, which we've acquired and we've also got uh, historical data sets as well. Uh, one of the first steps we did as an exploration company was to merge and level the historical data. So we've got a great high resolution Aramag database for the, for the belt. We've also followed that up with really high resolution 25 meter line spacing uh, UAV uh, mag surveys. And another important tool for us is LIDAR. Um, to help us hone in on these structures. So yeah. uh, using these data sets and the field work, uh, very strong focus on field exploration. So 2021 was, was no different. Um, this past field season as well, um, generating new targets in areas of the belt that haven't been systematically explored previously. And then we typically follow up these field programs with a winter uh, drill program. In the case of last year, uh, we drilled about 17,000 meters uh, testing, uh, I believe it was 14 different targets across uh, five different project areas um, within this very large uh, land package, this 58,000 hectare land package. 
Um, can I just can I just um, just unpack yeah, that a bit? Absolutely. So so the seventeen thousand meters of drilling. Um, yep. The seventeen thousand meters of drilling that was was that done in the winter season, so from the end of twenty twenty through the first four months of twenty twenty one, using the the frozen the, the, the frozen ground to get the rigs on without sinking into the mush. That's the most effective way for us and the cost effective way for us to drill, uh, to get in some of these areas we can access um, when the ground's not frozen, but for the most part, uh, it's more efficient to do the drilling in the winter for exactly the reason you mentioned. It makes access quite easier. Um, in the case of our, and I don't want to skip too far ahead here, but we'll be doing some helicopter supported work in this round of drilling simply because uh, it wasn't feasible to get into some of these areas. Okay, but but the seventeen thousand meters you talked, you mentioned that. Yep. When did that finish? When did you? When did you? The last that drilling get finished done? Finished in uh, in March of uh, twenty uh, twenty one. Okay, I'm I'm just putting things in context because um, you had a great share price run uh, in the middle of the year, and it's kind of given it back in the second half of the year. So I just wondered what was the um, what was driving that? Was that drill results from um, from March? And that the kind of the drill results came out, and that kind of helped the share price come up. And I know the markets have been tough. But uh, yes, to, yeah, you know, but just, that's that's exactly what happened in the in the first quarter of last year. Is we had some really nice drill results, and uh, things started to get kind of exciting. I wouldn't say that we had a discovery, but certainly we had some things that were coming together, and and you know we hadn't drilled tight enough to get any continuity, but certainly we had some things that the market got excited about and well should have because I was very excited about it. Um, uh, then our last set of drill results didn't quite hold that that same uh, deal. And I wasn't surprised because it was a different area that the last results came out by. And then of course the market was bad in the, in the rest of the year. And it, you know, it just, we kind of fell with everybody else. Okay. And then the other question that immediately jumped out at me was, um, you talked about doing the kind of field work in the summer. Um, what's the visibility of the geology like in the area? I mean, do you have got glacial till? You know, what's the the cover and the outcrop situation? How much can you actually map uh, with eyeballs? Yes, um, it's highly variable. Um, in the eastern portion of our our land package, the outcrop coverage is is generally quite good. I'm going to say uh, between forty and fifty percent in general. Um, and that's something you've seen historically in this belt is that everything that's been discovered to date has been exposed on surface. Um, so we're looking at some of the, uh, the more challenging areas. As you move towards the west in the belt, uh, the glacial cover gets uh, quite a bit more extensive, continuous. There's a, a blanket of in low-lying areas, which, as, as you know, are typically the, the major structures in these uh, greenstone-type settings. Um, there's a blanket of glacial lacustrine clay. Uh, that's really kind of hindered previous exploration. Um, so we're focusing on some of these areas that uh, have flown under the radar historically because of lesser exposure, uh, but have the same types of geology, the same types of structures, um, favorable, favorable host rocks and so forth, um, and show potential for significant gold deposits. And do you do um, till sampling or bottom of till sampling? Do you kind of go down with a, with a small um, rake and, and do base of till sampling, or is that not something that you can do in this area? It's something that's actually been tried historically in this belt. And what, uh, when you actually go through the data and look at it, what you often found is, is they would get to the base of till and it would be glacial lacustrine clay. So they would sample that material, but it's really telling you nothing about the bedrock in that location. Um, so what we're actually, uh, 
And what we've had good success doing is uh, vegetation geochemistry. Uh, we do uh, humus and we do black spruce bark. Uh, the rationale being that the root systems are penetrating through this uh, glacial clustering clay, um, tapping or some sort of geochemical signature from the bedrock. And this is giving us what I believe to be our best chance of getting you know, a true bedrock signature in some of these areas of thicker uh, cover. Wow, and I was, was going to ask you whether soil geochemistry works in the area, because in Australia, of course, the, 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 the exploration undercover has been transformed in the last two or three years with the, the reduced cost of soil geochemistry. But um, you're not going that route. You're going with the um, vegetation um, geochemistry. I mean, um, yes. Um, yep. Wow. And, and good, 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 good results? Yes. So we, we obviously, we did, you know, starting out, we, we had some, uh, some previous work that was done in the belt that demonstrated humus in particular uh, was, a, was a good uh, sample media. Um, but we, of course, did our orientation surveys over known gold, gold mineralized areas and were able to uh, confirm the, you know, that we can generate anomalies over these known gold bearing structures. And then uh, that's our, our, been our principal geochemical technique so far. In addition to, I mean, we obviously do whole rock uh, geochemistry and, and lithogeochemistry as well uh, to look for alteration signatures. The other thing I think is really important here is, is that if you take all of these things that you guys have just been talking about in context and put them together, they they do a really good job of pointing to the right drill targets for, for this team. And in 2020, 21 out of 22 drill holes all hit gold, some of them even ore grade gold, but we hit mineralization in almost every single hole we drilled. 2021 was not quite that successful, but it was still a plus 75% success rate. So it, this works is the point. Scott, could you pull up a map? Could I, because I'd like to orientate myself just to kind of get a regional picture of, of your kind of tenement holdings because it's, it's, it's a big land package. Yep, so the, uh, this might be the, uh, the most efficient map to have up. And so you've done you've done two seasons of drilling on this. You've done 2020 and 2021. And I, I've, I've seen in some of your presentation materials that you talk about um, the, 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 the gold being concentrated in kind of the regional folds. Um, you, there's, there's a very strong structural component to this kind of fluid flow. It's concentrated down shears and, and in fold hinges. Um, and that you've used that as an exploration tool as well. And you know, you've mapped the geology with the, the geochemistry and the, the geology that you can see in the tying it in with the geophysics. And when you've targeted those specific zones, that's where you've had more success. So what we're looking at here is, is um, the heavy uh, gray line there is the outline of our mineral dispositions. That's a 58,000 hectare uh, land package, um, it's a contiguous land package, uh, which, um, you know, consolidation in this district. And, and that, that's a big part of the story for this belt is historically the land position was extremely fragmented. Uh, you know, a lot of, of, of kind of small players, prospectors and so forth, um, very limited budgets, very limited scope of exploration. So beginning about 10 years ago under Sangle, continuing through the Klondex years and certainly uh, with our work, uh, both in terms of uh, ground staking and some acquisitions, uh, we've consolidated everything into one now contiguous land package um, that really allows us to explore this, this greenstone belt in a way that hasn't been done historically. Uh, really give it a fair shake here. 
So as you Great. mentioned, um, structure is is key. That's a major. I'm a structural geologist uh, by training, um, and that's a major um, tool that we use to identify uh, prospective areas within this very large land position. Um, can I just ask the the so you've plotted the the rock samples that you've got, and there are um, clusters of rock samples. Now, is that a function of that you've explored the area and there's no outcrop or that you haven't explored the area yet? Uh, in some cases, uh, particularly in the far western portion, uh, it's a reflection of just a uh, absence of outcrop. Uh, in other areas, it's just areas that we haven't gotten to yet. I would emphasize as well that the, all of the, the uh, gold showings on here are from our work. Uh, we've obviously compiled previous work as well. Um, but I think this map does a good job of, of kind of demonstrating the areas where we focused on to date. And just the fact that uh, we're consistently turning up, you know, anomalous to locally very high grade gold in a number of different areas. And um, we identify the project areas initially, obviously, through interpretation of the LIDAR and aeromag data, um, and honing in on these areas of structural complexity, and then obviously follow that up with the field work. It's been a successful methodology to date. Um, now, in in, in your in your most recent exploration update, you you um, shout out um, you give a shout out to three project areas or three target areas. You, you talk about Wallace, you talk yep. about Bidu, Bidu, and then you mentioned that there's um, um, a good result from some some high grade uh, gold from Curry's Landing, but you don't talk about the project. And I also see that just from this slide here, you're going to be drilling two clusters down at Tinney. It was, um, yep. so um, uh, can you just kind of describe to me what you found at Wallace Bidu and Carrie's Landing um, and what you're looking at at Tinney as well? Well, uh, Tinney and Bidu are the areas um, that we've done the bulk of our drilling to date. Um, these are yep. actually two of the initial areas we went into uh, when we acquired the property. Um, they just screamed out for additional work because the, the geology there is extremely favorable. Um, so we've gone about testing a number of structural targets there, had very encouraging uh, results from drilling to date. So we're going to be following that up in the next round of drilling. We'll stepping out along strike and testing these things to greater depth uh, within kilometer scale structures that we've, we've been able to uh, confirm through drilling. Uh, Wallace is going to be our first pass drilling there uh, in this program. Um, all the results to date there are based on, on field work that we've completed in 2020 and 2021. So we've advanced that project to the state where we have a number of different targets there that are drill ready. And that's uh, what we'll be looking at. Um, and beginning in March, we'll have a helicopter supported drill program in at Wallace there. Uh, in terms of Curry's landing, uh, we're not quite at drill stage there yet. We're still acquiring data, as, it, as the slide indicates. Uh, we've got an IP geophysical survey under, um, going on currently. Uh, again, not a lot of exposure there. Um, and particularly the main structure we're looking at there is a is large-scale fold structure dissected by faults. It's unexposed. Uh, so we're using the IP geophysics to... Um, identify areas of chargeability with, and re, uh, resistivity anomalies, obviously. Uh, within that structure, 
to uh, to move that Curry's Landing project towards uh, drill stage. There's no record of historical drilling in this area. And I'd also emphasize that all the gold showings shown on the map here in that Curry's Landing project area uh, came about through our work. There was no known gold uh, occurrences in that area prior to us starting. Um, and um, in pa 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 Pound Maker looks quite tasty as well. Yes, um, so we've we've done a fair amount of field work there. Um, our thinking on that has kind of evolved from, uh, we started working there in uh, 2019. Um, again, in 2020, we did, uh, we put in nine drill holes, uh, relatively short holes on some really decent structures that we were able to map on surface, localized high grade within them. Um, but quite compelling targets is a historical gold producer up in that area, uh, quite high grade. Uh, close to uh, half ounce material, um, historical grade at that uh, that past producer. Um, confirmed the structures uh, in the drilling, but really didn't get much joy in terms of uh, gold grades. Uh, but we're starting to look at mm -hmm. some of the more major structures in that area as well, particularly to the north where you start to see some, some gold values showing up along uh, kind of major map scale features that are associated with ultramafic, uh, um, intrusive and possibly uh, extrusive uh, rocks on major structural features. Um, so we're, our, our thinking there has kind of evolved and we're still continuing to, uh, to work that project. Um, thank you. That's that's really interesting. Now, you've, you have you mentioned quite often uh, um, in speech, you talk about kind of testing the structures, but um, I, I'm, I'm not sure whether where I read it, but you're also looking for the kind of the intrusions and the porphyry related looking at um, kind of bulk tonnage targets as well. Um, how has your exploration targeted that as, um, and have, you know, have you had any indications of mineralized bulk tonnage outside of the structures? Uh, well, in the case of the, um, the Tinney project, um, it's hosted in a, in a, a quartz feldspar porphyry intrusion. Um, and we've had a mix of, of results there, but one of the things that's strongly encouraging to us is just the fact that the, you know, the porphyry ranges up to about hundred meters in thickness in places. And we've, we've had a number of high grade hits in there over relatively narrow intervals, you know, two and a half to, you know, half meter type uh, material, but locally very high grade associated with compact shear structures. But on the margins of these shears, you have these, um, uh, you know, very pervasive um, sheeted vein systems with alteration and sulfide mineralization that are consistently, um, you know, anomalous in gold and, and are, are they also, also deformed and, um, you know, are they quite, uh, were they kind of quite coeval, quite old systems, or are they more recent? Uh, the, in terms of the, the timing of, of the, the, shallow, the shallow veins, well, let me back up a bit here. The, what we've seen in all the drilling that we've done to date is oriented core uh, drilling. So what we've seen actually at Tinney is um, there's relatively steep shear structures and relatively uh, shallow um, uh, vein systems as well. It's the steep mm. uh, structures, their shear type veins, laminated veins, relatively high grade. And then off the margin of these things, you have these, these arrays of sheeted veins that are relatively shallow dipping um, that locally contain a high grade gold as well. But, um, you know, it's, it's basically the, the, the entire volume of the porphyry there that um, is altered and mineralized. Um, so we're continuing to test that target, both 
the higher grade portions, looking for you know high grade shoots within this this complex structural network within that porphyry intrusion, um, but also looking at getting information closer to surface that might support a, a bulk tonnage type model for that target. Have you have you had success in in the porphyry? You, you, you talk about it being mineralized, but you know have you had um, indications of it sustaining? I don't know, half gram material or um, one gram material or 0.3 gram material across kind of um, thick distances, or has it tended to be pretty concentrated into the, the vein sets and the associated uh, array of um, um, mineralized sheets? Yeah, I would say that there's large intervals within there. I'm talking, you know, 15 to 20 meters of, uh, you know, 0.3 uh, gram uh, type material in that porphyry. Um, you know, you'll have a run of, of assays within it that's, you know, anywhere from, you know, 100 parts per billion to, to half gram type material quite consistently. You'll also, you'll also get little high grade hits within um, those kind of more uh, pervasively mineralized uh, volumes, uh, often associated with visible gold. You get, you get clusters of, of visible gold within some of these vein systems. Um, so it's really, a, it, it's, a, it's very complex structurally. Uh, you also have structures that extend out into the country rock, um, and those have different orientations as well. Um, so it's it's we've done a fair amount of drilling there now. Uh, we've got good data from the oriented core work uh, that we do. Um, we have a, a fairly robust uh, 3D model, um, including a block model for the vein systems that we've intersected to date. And we're using that information to to drill going forward, particularly in this next phase of drilling, to, to really start testing these things with maximum efficiency uh, using the information we have at hand. But, but you've, you've got it right. We're actually looking for both kinds of, of deposits here, right? <clears throat> but do intending in particular demonstrate um, the possibility for some bulk tonnage at, at Tenney as well as uh, Badu probably looks a little bit more like the historic Rice Lake deposit, which produced two million ounces so far. So, and, and when you get excited about a vein set, what kind of thicknesses and um, grades are, are you able to kind of see over? I don't know, fifty meter lengths or strikes and things. You know, what 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 are you what are you targeting? What constitutes success? Well, at the first pass of drilling, because most of these structures aren't exposed on surface. Um, so in the first pass of drilling that we do, it's, it's like, can we confirm the structure? What's the width of the structure? Are we seeing alteration in the structure that, um, you know, of an, an intensity or style that is consistent with the type of mineralization we see elsewhere in the belt? Um, do we see complexity in the vein systems? So even if the veins are particularly thick, are, are they showing up evidence of, of kind of a, a multi-phase emplacement history, which is really what you need to generate these big deposits. You need, you need repeated pulses of fluid flow through these structures uh, to generate significant ore bodies. So, uh, you know, as a first pass, is the structure there? Oh, we're seeing the alteration. Are we seeing veining? Are we seeing complexity within that veining? Are we seeing sulfide mineralization uh, within it? Um, and then from there we start, okay, well, what are the width of these things? And, and I mean, the things that get me excited are, are seeing these, um, you know, well-developed veins with evidence of complexity within, um, you know, 
a structure, you know, five to 10 meters in scale with strong alteration associated with, you know, it points towards a robust mineral system. And, and once we start to see those things, which we have at Badu and Tinny, then you start following up, obviously, with, with more detailed drilling, um, both, you know, testing long strike and to depth. I'm guessing that you're responsible for the, the inclusion in the, in the presentation of the mineral systems, the mineral endowment, the ZIPS law, and all of that kind of stuff. Yes. I mean, it's, it really speaks to, uh, you know, as you know, that's been applied quite effectively for the yeah. uh, and Creighton in Australia and uh, in the te- Abitibi as well. And, uh, you know, in that analysis that's on our, our, our corporate deck, um, that includes both Red Lake and Rice Lake. Um, so Red Lake, you know, it was a world-class gold camp, seen a lot of exploration. Uh, there's a lot going on there now. Um, but it just underscores how really, you know, on a, on a global scale, how underexplored these, these greenstone belts still are. Like you can, you can have a, a you know, a, a great bear type discovery uh, right underneath the main highway going in the red lake. Uh, yeah. The, so I've got two questions. One is that I've seen reference to thicknesses of 12 to 15 meters uh, in historic. Was that red lake or was that rice lake? I think that was the rice lake deposit that we referred to there. So you're looking for kind of those 12 to um, twelve to 15 meter thicknesses. And um, when you see visible gold in core, do you kind of have a mental uh, calibration yet for what that's going to translate to um, in grade? Of course, I'm not going to hold you to it, but do you kind of think, oh, this is one ounce material or half an ounce material? No, it, it's, uh, it's very, I mean, these deposits are so nuggety. Um, it's very, I mean, obviously it's when you see visible gold, you know, it's, you're encouraged by it. Right. But, uh, um, no, it's, uh, it'd be very difficult to kind of predict grade from, from any, uh, visual estimate. Um, for me, it's, it's an encouraging sign. Obviously there's gold in the system. Um, and, uh, it fits with what was found historically in this belt, as well as rice, or as well as Red Lake, is that um, you know it's it's the the ore bodies that have been mined are relatively compact, very high grade uh, structures. Um, in the case of True North, pardon me. In the case of True North, um, the. Uh, the deposit actually consists of two different vein sets. There's a there's a relatively narrow, uh, high-grade um, vein sets, shear-type veins, and then there's these stockwork breaches systems that are quite a bit wider. Um, so historically, ore bodies in the mine here would be like a meter to a meter and a half for the uh, for the shear veins, and then the stockwork zones uh, would range up to 20 meters uh, in width in places. I guess that's what you that's what you need to get the the, the bulks um, to get the tons up to get the ounces up. You need to uh, they come sweetened by the high grade structures, but kind of carried by the 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 widths and the the tons of a of a larger resource base. The interesting thing for us is with with the infrastructure that we have in place already that's paid for and operating and permitted. Um, the hurdle rate is is lower than you would consider for. You know, most of these kinds of exploration opportunities. So, um, do you have, therefore, a kind of a, a, a minimal, a minimum, minimal viable economic resource that you that you talk about internally? Do you think two hundred fifty thousand ounces, and we can we can push yeah. the button, or is, or is it four hundred thousand ounces? Yeah, what what I've said to shareholders is, if we can put together a, a two hundred fifty thousand ounce resource, that's you know eight eight to ten gram kind of 
uh, stuff, even if it's fairly narrow, even if it's, you know, say two to two meters. Um, if, especially if we believe that it's the tip of the iceberg, that's enough to get rolling. Great. So what's the target? What's the plan for this year? You know, what are you drilling? Where are you putting your, your drill meters and um, the, the, the model that you'll be chasing on those various uh, um, exploration projects? And, uh, I'll share these uh, screen again here. So we're looking at a number of different targets. Uh, we're focusing at, at least in, the, in Q1 2022 on the, the eastern portion of our uh, Rice Lake land package in particular following up work done in the Tinney and Badu project areas, as well as testing a number of new targets uh, that we've developed in those areas. And then, as I mentioned, first pass drilling on new targets that we've generated in the Wallace uh, Lake project area. So that'll be the focus of drilling um, in, the, in our Rice Lake projects. Um, don't wanna go through this table in too much detail, but we've laid out of about 11,000 meters of priority one targets uh, within these project areas. Um, so we're looking at, um, at, uh, three different project areas in there, um, 18 different targets, and we'll have up to four rigs, uh, turning here, uh, by the beginning of March, uh, in these project areas. And really it's, it's a, it's a, the focus is on, uh, in the Tinney project area, following up on the, uh, the results we've had to date in the northernmost portion of this porphyry intrusion, uh, that, extends a long strike for about two and a half kilometers. We've only looked at about a 1.2 kilometer segment of it uh, to date in our drilling. Um, so we'll be following up at uh, what we refer to as that Edna Otter target. Um, really in that case, looking, uh, we've got a tier of, of shallow drill holes in here, uh, kind of infill type drilling to test yeah. the continuity of the vein structures we've intersected to date. As well as from our modeling, we've got some indications of higher grade uh, mineralized shoots that will be tested with deeper drilling, as well as we've got some step out drill holes to the north, really test this thing down to you know the, the 400 uh, plus meter depth, um, which historically in this district is, is, you know, in the case of the True North Mine, for example, is where the, the mineralized zones really blossomed out. And that's, uh, you know, three to 400 plus meter uh, range perhaps having something to do with the regional level of erosion. Uh, but we certainly don't want to walk away from any targets here in this belt without having, uh, you know, tested them to depth if we're getting encouragement closer to surface. Um, right, just, 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 um, uh, yep. I'm, getting I'm getting distracted by the, the, the geology here. Is, is that um, the gunner porphyry, that kind of um, grayish? Uh, pink unit down here. No, no that's... Okay, that's the gunner porphyry, which seems to be yeah. almost on the axial plane to a wider regional fold. Yes, it's, uh, I mean, it's, it's an area that, I mean, and all the historical drill holes are on this map. Those are the black dots here that show up in places. Uh, at the very southern tip of the porphyry, there's a historic producer, the gunner mine, which produced about 100,000 ounces of gold back in the 1930s. Um, but there's no record of historical drilling on the northern part of this porphyry. As you mentioned, it's in the core of a regional scale fold structure. It's, a, it's an anticline, it's a doubly plunging anticline. So it's a regional dome type structure, mm -hmm. which, you know, as you know, you know, many of the world-class gold camps elsewhere in the world are associated with these major fold uh, structures. Um, great host rocks here. We've got foliatic basalts in green, um, iron foliatic gabbro sills uh, in brown. Um, so, 
fantastic structural setting, great host rocks, and again, um, no record of previous uh, systematic drill testing. Uh, so we've generated, you know, we went in, we generated some targets quite quickly uh, in this area, which we've tested in our, our phase one and phase two drilling. We'll, we'll follow that up uh, in our next round of drilling here. But we also continue to generate new targets. Black Bear, Big Mac, and Victoria are new targets. Haven't been drill tested previously. And this will be part of this uh, Q1 2022 drill program there. So yeah. This, continue. Just, like, I mean, we, we always want to be adding new targets to the to the portfolio here. You know, it's it's a question of, you know, you have to systematically work your way through some of these project areas, um, consistently generate targets, uh, test them. Uh, this gives us obviously the best chance of success on these programs, is, uh, you know, testing as many targets as possible. Now, just on the previous slide, you said that you've got about 11,000 meters of, um, in fact, let's, I'll, there we go. You've got 11,000 meters more or less of priority one drilling. And then you've got a, it's at an additional six, five and five, not five and a half thousand meters of priority two. Yes, that's correct. Yep. Okay. So you, and you, you've got enough, you've got the budget to do 16,000 meters of drilling. And that's, that's funded. Yes. And, and what, yep. when's the plan to, if you're going to have four rigs by March, yep. when do you think you're going to have completed the 16,000 meters of drilling? Uh, well, by the end of March, we will have uh, that 11,000 meters of drilling done, and then the 16,000 meters will be um, will be following up uh, on results from the from the the first pass drilling that we're doing uh, in Q1. Um, some of this drilling will take place in the summer. Some of it will take place in the fall as well. So, uh, as I say, we're fully funded for the program and. Uh, don't anticipate uh, certainly there's no shortage of, of viable drill targets uh, in this belt. Um, so we're going to continue to, uh, you know, we'll have a full field program again in 2022, fully anticipate on generating viable drill targets there as well. So there'll be additional drilling that comes out of that uh, field work. Will you, um, I don't know what the assay turnaround time like is, um, is like in Canada at the moment, but will you send some of the rigs home? Uh, in in May and stick stick with one rig or you know is that to be decided? Typically, what we've done in the past is uh, we're working with major drilling. Their major operations uh, base is in Winnipeg, so it's about a two hour drive south of the, the project area here. So what we've done is is leave at least one drill at site, so we can turn things around relatively quickly and follow up on on good results. You know, as as the drilling warrants, uh, we can get back into some of these areas, but. Um, we, we're going to, you know, with the, with the budget we have in place and the targets in front of us, it's going to be a very drill heavy, uh, 2022 for us. So we would look at a summer program as well as a fall. 2022. Great. And, um, how exciting. Um, so you've got, uh, 16,000 meters. Um, was it, was that, was that just tinny and I, um, or was that all of your drilling? I, I, I sorry, I, no, I pulled. Sorry, I have uh, additional target Sarah, we're going to be following up at Badu as well um, yeah actually uh, i got a few slides i can quickly share here so in, so in total ron how much drilling are you going to be doing in the next six months uh somewhere between 11 and sixteen thousand yeah. meters okay, but yeah okay yeah. but it's okay. it's as scott said it's going to be at tinny Badu. uh wallace lake and then we're actually doing a little bit at apex which is is not in the Rice Lake District, it's up to the north of ways. Yeah, 
So the, this is a, a slide just quickly showing what we're up to at, at Badu. Uh, showing the drilling we've done to date, again, consistently hitting gold mineralization in here along uh, large-scale structures, um, almost all of which had never been recognized previously. This has all come about through our, our uh, interpretation of LIDAR, geophysical data, as well as the field work. So we're, we're continuing to test targets there, stepping out along strike in the case of this Badu shear target, following up on results from the phase one and phase two programs, also testing, got evidence of a nice uh, higher grade uh, mineralized uh, shoot uh, here, very similar in kind of scale and style to what was uh, mined historically at True North. So we'll be stepping out um, and testing that both long strike and, and down plunge along that uh, mineralized trend there at Purdue South. Uh, give me we've some got juice. a number of additional okay. targets to the north, uh, following up on, on field work. Uh, in some areas, uh, in this example here, um, in, in the northern part of the Badu project area, uh, a couple of projects right along the, the margin of a, of a large-scale uh, intrusion in the belt. Uh, there's another body of porphyry in here, which is referred to as the Walton porphyry. Um, no record of historical drilling there. We've got some nice high-grade hits on surface associated with well-developed structures. We'll be testing some, some first-pass drilling on the Walton as well as the El Dorado uh, project here. And then again, the Wallace project, a number of, of uh, high-grade gold showings on surface here. Again, in areas with no record of historical drilling. This is a really exciting project because it, it really brings home the similarities between the Rice Lake Belt and the Red Lake Belt in terms of geology. The rocks in this area are equivalent to the Balmer assemblage at Red Lake. It's a sequence of comatiites, um, iron tholeitic basalts, iron formations. It's the age, uh, you know, and stratigraphic equivalent to the Balmer assemblage. And we focused on our regional scale fold structure, which is indicated by the red line here. Um, very similar in a lot of respects to the high grade zone at Red Lake. And we're focusing on, on initial drilling of some targets that we've developed along uh, kind of large scale shear structures associated uh, with that regional scale fold in Balmer equivalent type stratigraphy and a really exciting uh, target for us. And just to, to finish up on, on what's gonna, you know, what to expect in Q1 here, we're also gonna be drilling uh, up at the Apex project, which is in the Snow Lake area, uh, you know, world-class gold district, um, you know, obviously base metal, metal district as well. We're right next door to a project being actively worked by uh, Ken Ross Gold, the Laguna project. Um, this project came about, it was, it was held by a company called Bison Gold that was acquired by Clondex. So we, we uh, kind of inherited this property, took a look at it through some initial field programs, uh, did a um, high resolution deep penetrating IP survey, generated some really compelling uh, geophysical targets in there, which uh, correspond and, and uh, confirm quite nicely areas of historically known gold mineralization on surface. So we've got a 2,500 meter program planned in there as well to do, again, first pass drilling on these new targets that we've generated at Apex. So yeah, it's gonna be, uh, it's gonna be a busy three months here in terms of, uh, or four months in terms of drilling to start the year off for 1911. Great, um, Scott, thank you so much. I feel um, much better informed now about the geology that you've got in your portfolio. Um, Ron, have I missed anything? You know, what, what would you like to emphasize that I haven't spoken about? 
Yeah, I think the one other thing that's really an exciting new turn for us is, is that uh, uh, we uh, had in this last financing a major um, uh, new shareholder come on board uh, who is a, an operating company looking to expand their, their portfolio. So um, at this point, they don't, they don't want to be named, but I think it's a huge development for us. And it's uh, the, we've had enough um, inquiries by other companies uh, that have looked at the data and that kind of thing. And, and while, you know, this is the first one to jump, um, it certainly tells me that it's validating what we're seeing in the geology and it's validating the work we're doing. So I'm excited to have a really new strategic partner in our portfolio. Um, how much did they uh, Just take? Just under 10%. That- Okay, yeah, so they, 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 they remain secret. They remain on. Um, that's fine. Um, exactly. Good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, good. Well, thank you both so much. Um, it's been a real pleasure hearing the story and talking to you both. Thank you. It's uh, it's kind of very exciting. Yeah, I look forward to seeing the updates, Scott. Well, and Ron. Um, and uh, I'll, I'll keep a watching brief on the, on those news releases, and I'll um, keep my eyes out for those first exploration results. Excellent. Thank you. Great. Thank you.